Hello, Substantial. Hello, hello. 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 You're right. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I'm well. We're finding it a bit strange because I, I can see you in the recording platform. I know. This is the first time we've done it where we can see each other and hear each other on the same platform. Yes. So we're not jumping between different things. Yeah. Also, you you, you do know what this means. <laughs> It means that if we wanted to, we could actually do this as a as a YouTube no, no. <laughs> filmed content. That's too much. I can't, I can't. I, I don't know if people want to see that. I don't know if they do. And I personally don't want to see that. I mean, to be honest, I don't actually know people who listen to podcasts on YouTube. Who does that? I mean, yeah, that's I, weird. I know that people do record, you know, people do video their, their podcasts. But like, but who wants to, I, I don't who know wants who to watch that. that? I know. Because surely the beauty of a podcast is that you can... Take it anywhere you go. You can be listening as you're doing something else. Yeah. That's weird to me. I know. Me I don't think we'll, so, we'll go no, down. I think we'll just destroy all evidence. Destroy. <laughs> no, you'll keep the evidence and you'll bring it out yeah. at like an yeah, opportune well. moment. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me sound like some sort of GDPR breaker. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm not, obviously. No, you're not. You're very much, you keep very much not. And... Um, <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> substantial. What's caught your eye this week? Well, well, it's something that's caught my eye over a number of months, and I think it's time to talk about it. We have, of course, before alluded to our love of things French. Wait, wait. Oh, and I have really enjoyed Call My Agent on Netflix. So it's I, I really want to say Call My Agent. Because it has an exclamation mark at the end. And I feel, oh. you know, you should pronounce that when you when you say it out loud. <laughs> um, now, my flatmate, so Laura the Lodger got me onto this. I don't I don't know how she found out about it. She's got her finger on the pulse, Laura. Um, but she said, oh, I'm watching this French thing. And I was like, oh, it doesn't sound that exciting. It's so good. There are now four seasons, four series on Netflix. It is, um, it's a, a Netflix original, but it's it's a French production. So it's in French with subtitles. So you need to know it's got subtitles before you start. Um, and it's set in a Parisian acting agency. And it's not giving anything away to say that the first episode begins with the founder of the agency dying. Um, and then the other partners have to sort of scramble together to to you know keep things afloat, and that's basically the premise for the whole the whole thing. Wow. Except that, and this is where if you've got some knowledge of French culture, it really does help. Um, each episode has a different special guest appearance from a real life French film actor or TV star or personality who plays themselves. <gasps> Really? As clients, as clients of the agency. That's amazing. So it's, it's, it, the, the trouble is, I think when you're when you if you maybe don't have much knowledge of French film, to begin with, you think I don't really know who these. You know, mm. I don't, you know it's quite. It's, you can you can watch the storyline and be carried along with the storyline. Mm. But then when you realise this sort of extra layer of it, that these people to to you know somebody who's really a, a big aficionado of the French film. Uh, industry they they find this whole layer of actually these people are really funny because they're playing themselves and a lot of them are very funny yeah it's a bit rude in places so okay. you, you know you need to be aware of that but it's it's just got a really wry humor about it Love and the characterization is lovely there's some beautiful characters in it and they're just always doing silly things and and, and it, it's it doesn't have that did, did i talk about emily in paris on here you did, did yeah 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 it doesn't have that sort of sugary saccharine okay i was going to ask you about paris. that yeah no, it's. It, I mean, it's all very. It does feel Parisian and it feels very mm -hmm. French, but um, it feels authentically French. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, 
very much enjoying yeah, very much enjoying it the central character is great i think she's really mm. well played um and yeah they're always getting themselves into trouble there's always financial jeopardy and then there's a there's a there's a simultaneous storyline with um a girl who arrives in that first episode mm. and it turns out well i'll not say anymore in case people watch it but she she's the sort of main in some ways the main character in that she ends up working at the agency but there's more to her than, mm. than we realize to begin with um but she works for this other agent who is actually the real main character so yeah it's very good that i feel, I feel like I'm being very spoiler alert just in case people i know i was like i feel yeah. like i've seen it <laughs> and then having got to the end of that of course netflix then gives you these recommendations doesn't it as we talked about last night mm. not last week rather um and so it has recommended something that you've watched, which is Lupin. Lupin. Now, I've only watched one episode, but I'm already hooked by Lupin. So good. So good. And it's a crime. I know. It's like a heist. story. It's a heist, heist. story. And I flip and love a heist, so mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. really into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm only sure. I've only watched two episodes. But did you, I think you, did you talk about it on here? I think no, you did. No, I don't think so. And maybe, maybe we just—I'm losing track. Feeling we, to be fair, we talked about heist things before because I quite enjoy yes. a heist. Yeah, so I think that's probably what it is. But yeah, so Lupin's a heist, that. and it, and it's about a, a a guy who, well, it's the kind of unraveling, isn't it, of his backstory of how he got to where he is, and he's he's a he's a trickster and oh, it's, it's so good stealing a piece of jewelry from the Louvre. And, yeah, Lupin, and it's. And his name's an anagram. And it's, oh yeah, my gosh, it's, it's so good. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's all quite intelligent. Actually, and it follows on from what I talked about last week. It feels like intelligent comedy and intelligent drama mm. that is also not too bleak. Because I think yes. sometimes British drama can be quite bleak. Yes, this is true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, I think French drama can be quite bleak. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think all drama is bleak. <laughs> You're right, but this is this is kind of it feels a wee bit fun actually. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that's my recommendation. Mm. I feel like I'm going down a bit of a track though because I was also at some point going to talk about Escape to the Chateau. Oh, I think there's yeah. a there's a common thread to all this, which you just is need to get to France. I'd like to go on holiday. <laughs> 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 so that is what's caught my eye. Love call it. my agent. No, call my agent and Lupin. Lupin. Both on Netflix. The Flix de Net. The What about you? The Flix de Net. What's got your eye this week? Um, I've got it here as a prop, actually. It's um, a book called... If only we had a video. Oh, we do. Oh, wait, we do. It's a book called River of Fire by Sister Helen Prejean. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, yeah. Prejean? Prejean? Yeah, I think it's... Yeah. So she, she's... Um, I'm trying... I'm trying to remember. Her family... Oh, she's not actually French herself, but her, fam- her parent dad was like... Of French heritage or something. So anyway, mm-hmm. is she it Louisa? Is. It's from Louisiana or somewhere like that. Yeah, she lives in Louisiana. Um, so she's American, mm-hmm. and basically, it's um the story of a nun becoming a nun, and then her sort of spiritual mm-hmm. journey through um yeah. So it's the sort of and all kind of that being set against the backdrop of like America civil rights movement. Um, and like changes in the Catholic Church, and um, it's yeah, it charts kind of her awakening, I suppose, to injustice and ju- injustice. And then um, she has another book which you've actually said you've read, Fiona, that is called Dead Man yes. Walking, and that yes. is um, that's a continuation of of her this one, The River of Fire, and mm. um, Dead Man Walking is all about her work on death row. 
with um mm-hmm. particular person and kind of her kind of figuring out what that looks like but um yes yeah, so this one is really interesting and it was because, a film oh yes i've watched the film it's really good um so but anyway yeah. very, this woman is really interesting sister helen because she becomes a nun at 18 years old out wow. of choice in the 1950s in america and she um makes that choice her journey is fascinating because it's all about kind of how hard she finds it at the start the different things she does so she's a nun but she becomes a teacher and then she becomes like a sort of nun who does lots of like discipleship at a church and various other things um she she falls in love with a priest drama i love it oh, interesting yeah yeah yes. yeah yes. well he falls really hardly in love with her and then she kind of loves him and they have a it's a seven year sort of saga <gasps> Not oh my things away, but I was gripped. And then, yeah, and then <laughs> it then kind of ends with her sort of, there's a big battle within the sort of Catholic world slash in her nun world of like social justice versus spiritual, um, I suppose, mm-hmm. like growth. And she leans towards the spiritual side. She thinks, that, you know, but actually it's kind of her awakening to social justice. Anyway, really good. It's quite funny. She quite, she makes mm-hmm. fun of herself quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, my memory of reading the other book is she's she's a strong lady, she's very strong. Not cross her. Oh no, no. And um, mm-hmm. she, I think, so she. This is all her, just like sort of biography. But she's she does refer to like her journals and diaries from the time, and she'll be like, "Oh my gosh, I was so embarrassing," <laughs> because she, you know, that's she, how I feel. Mat- I know, meticulous sort of diary writer. <laughs> anyway, she's it's just really good and. I really enjoyed reading it and it made me think a lot about um, convents and nuns. And I was like, That's intriguing. Fascinating. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So today we're talking about parents. Mm. We're not going to talk too specifically about our parents, I don't no. think. Not keen for that. No. <laughs> And I guess we, we, I suppose we wanted to say at the beginning that th- this could be quite a sensitive topic for mm. people on a number of fronts, I guess. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if your relationship with your own parents has not been good or they've, mm. they've been absent, you've not, you didn't know one or other parent, um, or, or indeed if you're struggling as a parent. Yeah. That's, you know, so it's, it's a sensitive topic, isn't it? But I think we're going to try and keep it fairly. I was going to say fairly light. I don't. I don't know that it'll stay light, but it's. It, we're not going deeply psychologically. No, this isn't going to be like a therapy session no. where we unearth all the like problems in our lives related to parents. On behalf of listeners, as far as we know, as far as we well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, just give us a little pen portrait of your parents, Fiona. <laughs> Sign to start with. Um, Okay, um, so yes, my I have two parents, um, my dad and my mum, and they're in their late 50s, um, and they both live in Edinburgh. They're both English, originally from, and um, I don't really know what else you want to know. They're, don't, don't really know that. They're both very, like, interested in, like, outdoors things and my mum's a GP my dad's a scientist I am neither of those things (laughs) (laughs) 
Actually, that's true. I've never thought about that before. Yeah. You come from quite a scientific background. Yeah, that's, I rebelled against that very early on. So, um, yeah, you did. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So that's. that's Do you have it. any um, arti- artistic other relatives? Um, or has my, it really come out of nowhere? That's a good question. Um, my mum's mum, my granny, was an artist. So she painted um, sold paintings and things. Um, and then my uncle is um, works in like TV. Uh, he has his own TV production company. So I suppose okay. he kind of does. Art. So there's, there's been a bit of a cycle of rebellion then. So your oh, mum's yes. rebelled against that and then oh, yes. you've rebelled against it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like boom, boom, boom. <laughs> See, two minutes in and it's become therapeutic. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh no. Um, but what about your parents? What are they like? Or tell us about your parents. Yeah. Well, they're also in Ed. Yeah. So I also have two parents. They're also in Edinburgh. They are in their, well, it's contentious at the moment, actually. So my dad is in his 80s and my mum is not yet in her 80s. She's 79. So it meant she's four weeks behind him on getting vaccinated, which has been a bit of a point of tension. Um, They... My, so they're both teachers, actually. My mum, my mum's a primary teacher. My dad, well, I say is a primary teacher. She was a primary teacher. My dad was a PE teacher. Mm. Hence my rebellion against sport. <laughs> no, I think it's where I get my competitiveness from, actually. Uh, yeah, and then what else did you want? Oh, yeah, they live in they live in Edinburgh. Mm. So it's been quite hard in the last little while. I mean, I guess you'll be similar. Quite hard in the last little while in that I'm not able to see them in person. Mm-hmm. Last time I saw them was Christmas Day, which feels like a long time ago. Mm. And before that, it was October. So that's quite difficult. But I would say in this in this last little while, we've become much more regular in our phone, well, WhatsApping and Zooming. Um, so we're once, I would probably have, I probably have done like once a week phone call, to be honest. We've now become pretty much every night. Oh, really? So, yeah, I've got great detail on what they eat <laughs> <laughs> and on what's happening in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of it. <laughs> oh, and there's usually chat about the, the golf course, actually, what, what the state of the golf course. Although this week, this week, my parents quite excitingly have been clearing out the cupboard in the spare room, Mm-hmm. which has been a bone of contention in our family for a long time because really it's a lot of my brother's stuff. Oh, really? But my dad today sent me an email with a full uh, annotated list of all the board games. <laughs> oh Lockdown's getting to them. It's really getting to them. All the board games. And so Neil and I have to decide what we want, who's keeping what, and then I think the rest is going to charity. Frankly, Fiona, there were about a third of the list. I was like, I don't even know what that is. I, I don't remember so ever playing good. that game. I don't know the rules of that game. Oh my days, that's so funny. <laughs> so yeah, that's that is my that's my pen portrait. <laughs> funny expression, isn't it? Do you think Do you think your relationship with your parents has, has changed as you've gone into your twenties? Um. Yeah, probably. I think. Yeah. I know. I definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Um, so obviously, I suppose for me, I lived um, at with my parents until I let, went to uni, and I've not really lived with them since. I've gone back mm-hmm. for two or three months for over over summer before, um, but I've yeah. not lived with them for an intense period of time since then. Um, and I, d- I think basically, I know I've noticed more in the past 
year and a half, two years shift uh-huh. in my relationship with my parents. So I think particularly when I was at uni, my relationship didn't really, it changed obviously because I wasn't living at home or living mm. at my parents' house. But I I think maybe when I would go back to their house for Christmas, holidays, things like that, maybe they treated me still as a sort of younger younger than I I felt like I was um and Mm -hmm. that's not really their fault though because I think that's just a default isn't it of like how you relate to someone and then yeah um I think in the past like year and a half I've just partly I think because I've become more independent I think and I don't I really don't like go back to their house for very long anymore um yeah I think also they've relaxed into being parents of of 20 year olds like yes. my youngest sister is twenty one. Yeah, yeah, twenty one. Um, and so I'm sorry, I can't remember what age she is. Um, and so I think they've had to like learn to sort of be parents of children that are no longer in mm-hmm. even teenage years. And so, um, yeah, I've noticed that a lot. So things like, for instance, I um would not, I don't know, I wouldn't like ask my parents for help with a lot of things anymore. So, like, mm-hmm. I would, you know, moving house or whatever, try and do that myself, or um, yeah. financially more independent and things like that. Um, but I've certainly noticed yeah. that they're much more. Well, I think particularly just Christmas recently, I think my parents have become more relaxed at, at having uh-huh. us around as like young, as like sort of twenty-year-olds, and I think the way they treat us yeah. is more like how we feel we are age-wise um yes yeah don't get me wrong there was definitely moments where I was like they're patronizing and I don't like it um she was like I'm, I'm, I think I'm I think uh, I think it is I I noticed that though with my peer group mm. when particularly when um those who've got children when the children then leave the nest mm. And it's a cliche it's the whole empty nest or cliche thing but mm-hmm. I think particularly for women of my kind of age there's a there is a question about where your identity lies because mm-hmm. you are defined as a parent you know regardless of what you do career wise whether mm-hmm. you choose to 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 not work outside the home whether you choose to be a, a homemaker mm-hmm. um nonetheless you are still from quite a young yeah from when children are quite young you're defined as that person's mother or that mm-hmm. person's father or that person's parent and so so th- there's a definite shift has to happen when the when the child then flies the nest yeah, and I sometimes wonder. I sometimes wonder if it's harder for the parent than it is for the child. Mm. Yeah, because the child gets to go off and have yeah fun, perhaps, or like goes. It's it's. We've talked about this before. I think we talked about this in our moving episode of moving on, where if you're the one left behind, it can be equally hard as the one. Yes. Leaving. and as a parent, particularly, you've learned you've sometimes a, a house, a physical home, is set up in a way that facilitates that space. Yes, and then you have empty rooms and yes. things, and um, I certainly think that um, my parents have had to adjust a lot to that. And um, yeah, just Christmas gone, my mum did get a bit kind of she was a bit, not upset. She wasn't like crying. I was like, "Mum, are you crying?" She's like, "Almost." Um, but she, you know, she was saying it, it's it does. Yeah, it sometimes it's hard to sort of see uh-huh. your, your brood come back and then they leave. And you're still there, and then leave again. And yeah. I, th- I wonder as well if it, 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 well, maybe it's hard to it's hard to judge it at the moment because yeah. of the the state yeah, we're in just now. Have, but yeah. 
I wonder if in the last 10 years, say, it, it, it has become, the, the, the boundary is less clear cut because so many people, because the, the housing market is so yes. hard to get onto, a lot of people post-university yeah. end up, coming, or, or if they've stayed at home for university, because that's obviously financially mm. a better way to do it, they're staying at home with, mm. in the parental home a lot longer or maybe kind of returning and, yeah. and going off and so on. I think I've definitely got friends who found that really hard to adjust. Mm-hmm. We've had at least four years away, gone to uni, been very mm-hmm. independent, then mm-hmm. have, like for whatever reason have chosen to move back in mm-hmm. to their to the you know the their family home and that just brings up I think it's almost harder sometimes when you've had that that taste of independence yes which which is a kind of artificial intelligence artificial <laughs> independence anyway isn't yeah. it yeah because because it's not really independence no and no. that that's where the tension can often mm-hmm. come I think mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 interesting because I have got now got a lot of friends who do live with their parents. Yeah. Not not just actually because yeah. of COVID, just like outside uh-huh. of that. Um, and sometimes it works really well. Yeah, I mean, have great times. Yeah, I know. And I mean, financially, it's very sensible. I was like, fair enough. I was like, wow. I mean, that's always fair, assuming yeah. that you you have a, the relationship with your parents that you can do that, or they're you know. I did say that. I've said that. To all that. You know, that it's very painful for people. Yeah, if that's if that's been something that's been hard. Yeah, I, I've got a few pals who you know say, "Oh," and I'm like, "Well, actually, you're really lucky that you get on with them, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and I've that there's got, space I've, for you." And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I've got a few. I've had some conversation with someone recently, and they were saying that, like, they kind of see their parents as their friends. Like, they were like, "Got mm. really well with my parents. Like, they're really fun." like to hang out with and I yeah like, actually that's quite nice that's really good isn't it it's nice isn't it yeah it is um but I think I I'm more interested as well in this conversation of hearing about your relationship with your parents in terms of mm-hmm. how that's changed yes yes because there are definitely stages so mm-hmm. yeah we, we what we've talked about there already is a stage I think I think the kind of 30s when I was in my 30s my early 40s well actually I was away for a long time so I was down mm-hmm. I was down in England for quite a long part of that so I guess they just got on with their life at that point <laughs> um but the dynamic changed at that point I suppose because because I suppose that was I mean I'd, I'd been independent before that for quite a long time but that was fully you know mm-hmm. living in quite far away and and living my own life sort of thing and um, and then I guess when I came when I came back to Scotland, I lived I lived about a mile and a half away from mm. from where my parents stay, so I did see them probably a bit more. We were kind of in and out of each other's lives at that point, um, and I mean, and I'm, my parents have always been very supportive of big decisions and things because I, I I'm not I know that I'm not standard in my some of my career choices and things, and they've been very patient with that actually over the years. Uh, you know, oh no, what's she going to do now? Um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, but yeah, but definitely getting towards the the, you know, the late forties. Less, I'm less aware. Well, I'm aware of it with my own parents, but I'm very aware of it in my peer group mm. that the dynamic. There's definitely a shift happens, and I think it happens round about mid forties. You know, obviously depends what time, what age gap there is between you and your parents, where the the responsibility shifts. So you just, I'm I'm just more aware of looking out from appearance, checking in on mm. them. Um, kind of keeping an eye on them health wise and, mm-hmm. and and what's going on and and you know I mean mine mine are pretty healthy. Although my, my dad did say the other day he said I used to laugh at your auntie Jessie and the number of pills she took. I take about three times the number of pills. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, so you know there are there are concerns around all of all of that stuff. You become much more aware of it, and I, and I think as I look at, at friends and and mm-hmm. um, probably some friends who are maybe just a bit further down the track with some of that, I'm I'm aware of how the dynamic shifts, mm-hmm. and, and and so you become more responsible, mm-hmm. um, and and that's where I guess the sandwich middle thing comes in, which obviously I don't experience because I don't have children, but again I'm I'm aware of of people who who sit in that place where they've got caring responsibilities for. Mm-hmm younger um, family members and then also caring responsibility for mm-hmm. for older people too i was struck by something this morning i was listening to the news this morning and um it was uh captain tom moore's daughter oh, yes was being interviewed on the today program and, and there's been some stuff this week because uh i think there was some some um trolling going on and you know like really unpleasant comments mm-hmm. made about him and and she was talking about the fact that they shielded him for it mm-hmm. from it and she said we, he just wouldn't have understood and yeah. we so we chose not to let him see that stuff because it, it would just have you know spoiled the whole thing and i i i, I, I felt a little response that you know i felt mm-hmm. my heart kind of bled a bit for her because mm-hmm. i thought that makes me feel very sad yeah. but it, it, it highlights that thing of you know she's obviously had to st- not had to step into responsibility. You do. You begin to take some level of of caring responsibility. I think, mm. regardless of how fit and well the person is, because obviously he was somebody who was, you know, pretty fit up till up till the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do. You begin to think, yeah, I want to shield you from some of that. I don't want you to have to figure that stuff out, or or yeah and I, and be, I mean it'd be quite interesting for example to interview my parents to see how mm-hmm. they s- see that because I, I suppose they're you know they're more dependent on on me and, and my brother in, in terms of the, you know like the old joke of the house is about trying to teach my mom how to use her phone and master the technology but that you, you know I think the the world we live in as you get older you you do begin to feel quite out of your depth with it yeah. there's a lot of change to cope with and a lot of new stuff to mm-hmm. learn which mm-hmm. when you're slowing down a bit is not actually particularly no enamoring as a, yeah. a prospect um yeah yeah it's i think it's interesting to hear you talk about that shift of where you tip over into feeling yeah a sense of not responsibility but like where it feels like i don't know there's something to be said i think of when often well for me anyway on a personal level i'm um, growing up my parents were very healthy I saw them mm-hmm. as a bit invincible and mm-hmm. you know there's a dynamic of they look after me and that's how it is and then mm-hmm. then there's inevitably a shift that will happen yes. at some point um, yes. and I found that interesting to hear about your experience of that and yeah um I mean I have got friends in my life who've who've had that experience already and that's it's really difficult um, or you know you see your parents suffer or things happen to them that are really challenging um, yeah. and that's that's really hard but I, I think it's interesting because I sometimes I do have a worry sometimes I'm like oh my gosh like my parents aren't invincible like my mum will be like will have like I don't know hurt her ankle by stepping on a tennis ball yeah and I'm like oh my goodness yeah it's happening yes yes <laughs> I know it's the shift isn't it from falling shift. over to having a fall I know I was like oh my goodness I've had a fall. I know I have a very definite moment actually when I was aware of that. So uh, I was, well, this is years ago, I, I was moving to Manchester for a short term contract to work with a theatre company. And the day I left to go to Manchester, my, my dad told me that he'd been diagnosed with diabetes, with type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they kind of sat me down to tell me. And that was the first time they'd ever really, mm-hmm. you know, we'd ever had that kind of experience as a family. And I can remember driving, you know, that 
well, you know that road from Edinburgh down to mm-hmm. the M74 and you're kind of driving through yeah. the Pentlands and things. And I was in floods of tears because I just, partly it was the, oh, I'm, I'm moving south, which was a big deal at that point. Um, but it was also a, a bit of a kind of like, oh, you know, this is yeah. suddenly quite serious. They hadn't mentioned he'd been going for tests. Yeah. And, now, that was years ago and he, you know, he's he's coped over the years very well with his, his diabetes. But I, I think there was a shift at that point yeah. where, I th- there was a there was a conscious decision on my part. I just need to make sure I'm yeah. still checking in and and reflecting on that now. Um, you know, I think when health concerns and things come up now, they're much quicker to tell me or to tell Neil. Mm-hmm. Um, so the dynamic, I think, from their point of view, has shifted as well. Mm-hmm. To that being word, and and I have that thing exactly what you do. You know, I mean, and I can remember having this with with my grandparents as well. That. You know, you, you you begin to sort of slightly catastrophize, and, yeah. and and you know that your your relationship's not going to be there forever. They're not going to be there forever, but you know, and that makes you feel overwhelmingly yeah. sad. But then you can't you can't um, you know live like that the whole time. So yeah, yeah. But, which makes me think about. I mean, I, I think quite a lot about capturing memory as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I did a little audio project. Um, in fact, I must do another bit of that where I decided to have a Zoom conversation with my dad about the war. <laughs> Because we've been having a conversation about it. I was like, oh, I really like you. I'd like to record all this. So we we just set up a wee Zoom call and a bit like this, did a That's chat. So and, I, and actually, I must do it with my mum because my mum and I said we would do it at some point. I haven't actually listened back to the audio, but it was a sort of like, I want to capture this and I want to capture him no, telling these stories. Yeah. And, That's um, interesting. It was interesting. He'd done a lot of research. Oh, really? Okay. He took it very seriously. And <laughs> he got my Uncle Roy to give in his memories as well. So it was it was it suddenly became like the listening project. I just wanted to do a quick Zoom call and record it. He <laughs> <laughs> took it very seriously. She's probably why I've not got around to doing it with my mum. Let <laughs> <laughs> me do that this weekend. The job for this so But yeah, so yeah, because you were talking about before we started, you were talking about your mum and photo yeah, albums. Yeah, so my mum, like um, you know, growing up before um, digital photo- photos and everything, she would print. She would always go to the photo shop and get the print, mm-hmm. printed photos and then get them developed and then put them in albums. So she's got um, photo albums from, you know, when we were growing up and th- she's meticulous with them. She puts them in and dates them uh-huh. all. And she it's not like piled in. It's it's like it does follow a bit of a narrative of the year and it, she always, she'll write little notes next to them. Anyway, she still does it. So she, she now still will go and with digital, you know, even in this digital age, she still makes photo albums Yes, I think there are probably fewer photos in it, probably because it's less like yeah. specific. But she will still do that with like every holiday we go on, like key things going on in our lives. She'll always that's lovely. Yeah, so I quite like going back to my parents' house sometimes. Where, but where does she print them? Does she does she send them away? Does she she goes to Asda because you can't go to Boots anymore? No, she goes she goes to Asda. Oh. Yeah, who knew? I know she goes there and gets Chester. Yeah, Chester Asda, yeah. But folks, if you wanted some <laughs> photos, go there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's one of my favourite things, actually, when I'm back in Edinburgh, is, you know, going to the, the shelf of the photo albums, picking one out and leafing through them. Um, not just from recently, to be honest, actually from, like, years gone by. And it's just quite a nice thing that she does. Mm, and I think yeah. that's something that it's quite a parent thing to do, isn't it? I uh-huh. think. Uh-huh. You want yes. to capture the memories of your 
to capture the memories that's right of it yeah, yeah that's right and I suppose people do that digitally now don't they and I guess I guess we will have ways of of keeping that stuff as mm-hmm. as time goes on but I, I do I do think about that in terms of digital imagery and things yeah. we've all got thousands and thousands of images and when did you last go through and really look through I know, I know. that holiday or that celebration yeah, yeah. I know, it feels a bit weird, doesn't it? But Actually, photographs, that was one of my lockdown intentions. I've got a massive box of photographs. And I was going to go through them all. <laughs> Not done it yet. Please do it. I you know. know, like the board games. <laughs> sort it all out. Oh, dear. That's funny. That's funny. No, it feels like with parents, it feels quite like, always feels quite personal, doesn't it? Because your yes. only experience of parents is of the parents you've had. Yes, yes. Directly. And yes, and not only that, but actually I think your experience of of being parented yeah. influences so much of how you view mm. the rest of life. Yeah. That your experience of life is quite influenced yeah, by your formative yeah. stuff. Yeah. I do think there is something to be said though, um, of viewing parents, you know, not always thinking, oh, the parents are the only people that should influence a child's life. Yes. And I think we live, we still live in this like slightly nuclear family world. Yes. Um, so it's like, okay, well, what happens if a fat, a parent passes away? Yes. Like they can't, other people can f- fill that, that space. Yes. Um, not completely, like for sure. But um, I do think there's something to be said of like reimagining sometimes the, the sort of types of people that can be parents it doesn't yes. always have to be biological relations yes I I totally agree it's the whole thing of a village yeah. raising a child isn't it yeah um and yeah and I think that about god parenting mm, yeah yeah I've got three godchildren and I have greater or lesser degree of <laughs> contact because <laughs> I don't think I was great at it first time around but um yeah, and that but that feels like a real privilege because yeah. you have this sort of status within a family where mm-hmm. you do have a yeah you have a status I suppose but mm-hmm. but you're not the, you're not the biological parent but you yeah. you can you can be be there and be an influence and that's that's really good. Um, I was going to say something. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, oh no, I was going to say that at different stages as well because we we talked about how you relate to your parents and and obviously the kind of classic difficult time is is the teenage years, yeah. isn't it? And and I think that's where really good role modeled adults yeah. who will listen and pay attention to young people can be a huge help mm-hmm. yeah yeah to family life. yeah for, for sure i think that's so true um side note i really want to be a godparent i do you not have any uh, no no yeah, i have some i want i want to be one so no, no but do you not have any godchildren I mean, no, no i don't I'm gutted. I I really want to be a god. I know. I'm just it's great. I I'm I'm really excited by the prospect. So I'm like, if anyone it's listening really wants me to sort of to be a godparent, I'll weigh it up. But I might be keen. There you go. That's. I mean, that's a good offer. Have I ever told you the names of my godchildren? No. I'm I'm like a godmother from the 19th century. So my god. <laughs> Three godchildren are called, they're not related, are called Josiah, Nathaniel, and Constance. No! <laughs> Big shout out to any of them who are listening or their parents. Hello. <laughs> That's amazing. 
total chance because they don't know each other. Like, they, you know, the, the parents don't know each other. But I do feel like Miss Haversham. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Wow. What a dream. So that's what you want to get. You want to get some godchildren that, you know, give you, give you an identity. <laughs> Maybe you could have, I don't know, like hippie named go children. Or, you know, what? The other team, my flatmates did say to me, they were like, you're like a bit of a hippie. And I was like, I'm not hippie. And they were like, you are a hippie. And I was like, uh, sorry, what? So I think I would, I would suit hippie children. Children called things like sunrise. <laughs> so if anyone out there has a child called sunrise. Let me know. Who doesn't yet have a godparent. <laughs> Just to let me know. I have an applicant. <laughs> Oh, that is so funny! That's so funny, brilliant. Well, that's been that's been very interesting. I I, I was a wee bit uncertain coming into this conversation because it it does, like you said, it does feel quite personal. But I think that's been interesting. I've I've enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, but brothers yeah. have too. That's so. I hope so. Otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> substantial yes do you have a sign of hope for this week yes well it's sort of in line with what we've been talking about i just want to champion young people i feel inspired to be hopeful by young people a number of things one is i was listening to the news and it was talking about the group of young people who have volunteered to be fair, I think they're being paid, but they have put themselves forward to be injected with COVID so that they'll take part in a scientific sur- survey um, about the impact of it on people. So, my goodness, I mean, what a huge thing to do. Wow. And one of the young people being interviewed on the radio, it was just it was just great because they were really, you know, they wanted to make a difference and they were really keen. It was the fact it was the mum who was being interviewed and she said, you know, she'd said to the, the child and, and they'd been really keen to help because they wanted to, to do something. So I felt that was great. And then on a more personal note, um, is a shout out to a young friend of mine called Esther Robinson because Esther has been making little pendants out of stamps and beautiful little uh, pictures and she kind of puts them into, into resin and makes them into pendant and she is selling them for a donation for a charity project that her church has been running, um, Project Pants. And I ordered some and you can kind of make a donation and uh, they arrived in the post. And what I was really impressed with was my, my pendants arrived and she wrapped them beautifully. She wrapped them up in, um, uh, I was going to say in toilet roll, not in toilet roll. In, uh, Tissue paper? Uh, yes, but what's the stuff that comes around toilet rolls? Um, Cardboard. Who gives a crap? Who gives who a crap? Gives a crap, crap it comes wrapped individually. She'd obviously used that as a gift wrap. And she also had included a note that had a poem that she'd written about just because she's young doesn't mean that she can't make a difference and it was a beautiful piece of writing and it was very heartfelt and I thought you know good on you Esther good on you for being willing to to use your creativity for a positive purpose and to you know to help other people but also just having the confidence to do that and Mm -hmm. and you know talk about it as well so I, I, I just feel quite hopeful about young people because young people get a lot of bad press don't they I mean they always get Always get such bad press, and and then also we hear the negative side of you know the pandemic and and terrible statistics on mental health or or mental ill health for for young people. I just think we need to not underestimate um, the capacity young people have to mm. to make a difference, but we need to give them confidence. And I guess that that's where it links with the 
parenting thing is mm-hmm. that you know we all just all need to look out for young people and yeah. support them. Yeah, I mean, some of them are annoying. Don't get me wrong, but then, frankly, some people who are forty nine are annoying. I feel like there's always going to be annoying ones. Yeah, Every stage, people. it's just how yeah. it is, isn't it? Exactly. It's just how it is. So that's my sign of hope. Oh, young I people love it. making a difference, even though they are young. Da, 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 da. Have you got any wisdom? Yes, I am wearing my wisdom for the week. <gasps> as you can see, Fiona. Um, I mean, it's, a, it's quite a glamorous look. It's quite, it's quite bug-eyed, actually. Um, so um, basically, I have ordered a pair of glasses that just don't have lenses, like have lenses in them, but they're not prescription. They're literally just to help me um, filter blue light. Um, so it's great. And it's just for screen time, basically. So um, I wear them. It's just with work. I was getting quite, quite mm-hmm. really tired eyes and quite, it was kind of towards the end mm-hmm. of the week. I was really struggling. My eyes were just really hard to open. I was like, what is this? I was feeling really tired and lethargic and sloth-like. And I think a lot of it was down to the sort of blue light and kind of feeling like my brain was quite tired. Mm-hmm. So anyway, ordered these, making a difference mm-hmm. already. I do... Brilliant. Um, I had a, a, Someone did say I look like Edna Mode from The Incredibles. I'll take that as a compliment um, because they are quite big. If it's any help, I've actually got a wig. Oh my I've got God, an wig. wig I can have the whole outfit off. Um, so anyway, it's, it's, so much. it's so funny. So uh, yeah, but I'd recommend these were £20 and they are like really good, really comfy, really light. They came with a little case. Yeah. It's just very nice, pleasant. So that's my little wisdom for the week. Maybe if you've got, that's great. just check your, check your stuff. That's good. Check your eyes. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, what about you? Do you have any wisdom for the week? Excellent, excellent wisdom. Um, yeah, mine is, it, now is the season to be chitting your potatoes. <gasps> is it? <laughs> Me and my flatmate are doing yes, this. Yes, it is. Great. Well, the potato chitting has begun at my house because last year, well, last year I was quite successful with my potato growing. I'm, I'm not successful with everything in the garden. Um, but I kind of just went for it last year mm. and I was... I mean, I know, it's, I know it's obvious, but I was absolutely astonished that I planted this little plant and then I got loads of potatoes. Amazing. So I've got potatoes chitting on top of the fridge and this weekend I'm going to start planting out my sweet pea seeds to get the little seedlings going. And to do that, I'm going to plant them into, I'm going to use toilet rolls to plant my sweet peas because then it gives a bit of a length for the root. Apparently that's a good thing. But my, the reason the reason it's wisdom is back in, oh, Gosh, when did I do it? Maybe it was before Christmas I planted bulbs. Yeah, in the autumn. Mm. For the first time ever, I actually got around to planting bulbs because I so never, I never had time to do it. And so, do you know what, Fiona? It's lovely because they're poking up. Yes. There's little tulips and there's daffodils. and Actually, I can't remember what all there is. I think there's crocuses as well <laughs> because at the moment they all just look the same. But every morning I look out and I think, oh, gosh, spring's Love coming. It. So you need to get a bit ahead in your gardening. And if you want to get ahead, now is the time to chit. <laughs> As somebody said to me, shit happens. I'm into that. <laughs> that is a new motto. It's happening. Shit happens. And yeah, that's my wisdom for the week. Love it. So next time we may or may not talk about power oh. dynamics. Yeah. It feels quite heavy, doesn't it? We will keep you on tender hooks. Yeah. So. But in the meantime... This has been hollow and substantial. 
Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I think we should start doing a doing some sort of a, a request show. <laughs> I had a little conversation this week on Facebook with Andrew McCallum. You know Andrew McCallum? Oh, yeah, yeah. Using his name because it was his birthday, and I was like, "Oh, maybe I'll give you a shout out and hold some statue." Because honestly, he's he's often the first person to to like when we post. Yes, he is, and, isn't he? Yes, and then I said, "But then Hollow's not keen on me doing birthday shout outs." No, no, try not to. But you see what I've done? I've still it done it anyway. So <laughs> there you go, Andrew. You got your wish. <laughs> <laughs>